0: Welcome to the Let's Not Panic podcast. We're two practical people chronicling a pretty impractical trip from San Francisco to Patagonia. We're trying not to panic. I'm Maggie. And I'm Adam. And for those of you just joining us, Adam and I are traveling from San Francisco um, in our forerunner to Houston, then shipping our car from Houston to Columbia, and then we'll be driving from Columbia down the west coast of South America to Patagonia.
1: Yeah, we're currently in New Orleans, about to ship the vehicle, so we're, we're pretty much at the freaking out point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is great, because today we have a distraction with special guest, Red Scott. Hi, Red.
2: Hey. How's it going?
0: Good. Red's a stand-up comedian out of San Francisco, and a pal, and also the co-host of my third favorite ginger appreciation podcast, <laughs> Boars, <laughs> Gore, and Swords. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Red
2: thank you so much for having me. I do have to say that I have been listening to your podcast uh, partially because I helped you buy the audio equipment and I wanted to make sure nothing terrible was happening, (laughs) which it's not. It sounds amazing. But I have become obsessed with overlanding and four by four camping and a bunch of things that I did not know existed before, like tent roofs. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. I spent probably 12 hours in the past two weeks looking at teardrop campers, uh-huh, which is uh-huh. sort of unrelated to what you do, which is very interesting because I have A, nothing that could possibly pull a teardrop camper, and B, nowhere to put it if I did. So I'm just going to say that's a terrible use of my time. But I So I, I'm, I'm just saying it's a very compelling podcast.
1: Both of those problems can solve themselves eventually. I'm glad that we're spreading the bug. I think eventually <laughs> yeah. you'll find a place to put the teardrop and this you'll is find a truck to pull it.
2: At some point, some like overland company is going to have to sponsor you guys because it's just there's no way you can listen to this and not want to do it yourself. Oh. Well. Even, even if every part you're even if you were like, <laughs> I, I hate my significant other weather, camping and traveling. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, you're going to be like, I want to do all of those things together right. in tight quarters forever. I mean, at least
0: one third of those things was true for me. I <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Uh, well, oh. thanks, Red. And if anyone does want to, like, give us money for talking into microphones, we would absolutely oh, accept it. Yeah, we
1: like money. We use yeah. it
2: for, for this. It's this true. Travel. We right. do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is not been cheap. Yeah. And, and uh, before
2: we get it to me, I do want to ask, like, how terrified are you of putting your vehicle on a container ship and just shipping it away from you?
1: It is so terrifying. It, because, you, first of all, you don't have it, and there's just a comfort thing associated right. with it. But second, all you can get is total loss insurance. And (laughs) that is the worst
2: phrase I've ever heard in my life. Exactly.
1: They put you through this thing. It's like they explain what total loss means. Well, sometimes we just lose a shipping container, it falls off the boat or Mm -hmm. it just doesn't arrive ever. And that's all you have. And it's not charge. even
0: just going to be our car. It's not just the forerunner with the rooftop tent installed with the extra battery that Adam uh-huh. installed and the refrigerator and all his hard work. Like that's <sighs> just the car. It yeah. will also have a bunch of our equipment. Mm-hmm. So if it gets lost, I just, I'm going to surrender myself to a life of just deep alcoholism.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, <laughs> wait, I, I, well I, will you know about it before you leave New Orleans? Cause that would be the place to start that life. No, we no, won't. Yeah, uh, We won't know
1: until like, Three weeks. All
2: like, we w- can do is pre-drink. Yeah. <laughs> three three weeks. Yeah. Wait, where are you? So it's going to take three weeks to get there. What are you doing in the interim?
1: Uh, we're flying to Belize mm-hmm. and learning to scuba dive, mm-hmm. which is going to be amazing oh. and also a little terrifying. Maggie and I, I have spent most of today reading about how your lungs can explode if you don't do things carefully. So we got that mm. going for us. Yep. Yeah. And, and then after Belize, uh, we fly to Cuba and do mm-hmm. Havana and around around yeah. havana so and then we'll awesome. fly
0: to meet the car in Colombia. yeah
2: H- hopefully which hopefully exactly. will be there <laughs> hopefully <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you
0: really uh, hit the nail I, right on the head there
2: <laughs> this is this has given me flashbacks to season two of the wire <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we'll open up our shipping container
2: it'll just be full of ladies yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's not what i wanted <laughs> Yeah. You just need to go. You just need to go down there and bribe. uh, What's his name? The toad? The horse. Horse. That's his name. Is that
0: Pornstache from Orange is the New Black?
2: No, he (laughs) is the large man. Oh, the other guy. Yes. Okay. Who's the the guy who is responsible for the uh, uh, making the shipping containers disappear? Uh,
0: He's a guy who like typically plays an overprotective father and comedian. That guy? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think that's him, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know his name, but he's great. I like his bald spot.
1: Ray Romano? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, I'm thinking of something else.
0: Anyway, back to Red, who's our guest today. Right, (laughs) right. So we were particularly interested in talking to Red because as we uprooted, um, Red was somebody who particularly I got to look to as somebody who quit a job that was a good job uh, to pursue a completely different kind of life. So Red, do you want to tell us a little bit about transitioning from like a very good 9 to 5 and going to be a full-time comedian and podcaster?
2: Yeah, so a little bit about what my professional life was up until very recently. Uh I uh got out of college in 2006 in computer and in a in a I had a degree in computer science and I actually had already gotten hired off of an internship the previous year to work at Apple Inc. Uh, was it Apple Computer at the time? I actually don't remember. I um, I'm so
0: the wrong person to ask.
2: It's so <laughs> 100 years ago. It's so 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, but so I interned there and in I guess, two th- so 2006 was when I interned, I'm sorry, and then I graduated 2007 and I started at Apple full time. So I have been working at Apple or had been working at Apple since June of 2006 and it became my new year's goal to quit before I hit the 10 year mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see how you really just get set in your way and after it's a certain point, yeah, there's no return.
2: Yeah, but it. Uh, there really, it was a really, and the worst part about it is talking to other people is it's a much better story when you're like, I was miserable every day and I clawed my way out of it. <laughs> And I found a way, and then I left, and I stabbed my boss in the eye, and it was, and it was great. <laughs> told everybody to go to heck. Mm-hmm. Um, I had very competent coworkers. Um, I had a good situation. I had just it's literally the only thing I'd been doing in my life as an adult. I'd done it for, you know, a decade. Um, and all the while, within a year of leaving college, I started uh, within a year, maybe two years. I started doing stand-up comedy pretty quickly. And for a long time, at the position I was at in the company, I was able to work very reasonable hours. I was able to work 40 hours a week and sort of dedicate most of my other time to doing stand-up. And, and that worked very well for me for a long time. And then, you know, th- eventually, af- after an incredibly long, very successful run, where they were paying me a lot of money to do 40 hours a week, of uh, they they were like we need you to do more than that now, and I was like well that is a huge cramp on my lifestyle. Oh, is and that recent? Yeah, that was about eighteen months before I left. Mm. Um, and honestly, my the the team that I like, I said I like they needed me, but it was something I had always known that I wanted to try and do comedy specifically, and more recently podcasting as a full time thing. And for 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 a long time, they were just letting, it worked out very well for me where I was able to sort of, you know, get better, keep working on stuff, and have the time to still develop as a comic. And in recent years, I've felt like I've run ag- up against what I can accomplish in a li- limited number of hours a week and having to be sort of tied to a physical location. And... And, you know, not focusing on what I wanted to be doing. And at the same time, they started demanding uh, more from me, and reasonably so. Yeah. Right. But, so, I set, yeah, I set that goal, and right around when we were done with a very large project that we'd been working around at that time, I left. And...
1: yeah. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense. The, um, the balance isn't just about time it is something that I found when I was working a full-time job, I have a similar story. I got out a little earlier, but it's not just 40 hours a week, or if they wanted to increase it up to 60 hours a week, it's not just the raw time, the time that you have left, you're much more just exhausted. You don't have that energy to come up with new bits or, you know, work on your routines. I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's really, really hard to find that balance. It's not just like a raw quantity it's hard to quantify sometimes
0: yeah i have to say i'm super impressed that you did performances repeatedly during that you know close to 10-year stint which by the way when i was at your place recording that episode of boars gore and swords you have the 10-year plaque (laughs) but oh
2: (laughs) so so (laughs) it it turns out at apple if once you're getting up to the 10-year they send it like in advance and so <laughs> the week after I quit, my boss, who I'm still friendly with, got an email that was like, there's an, you know, somebody in your group is getting their 10 year plaque. And he was like, who's that? that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And so they gave him, uh, th- they have, if you can look them up online, it's literally like a block of crystal with an apple carved all the way through it. It's absurd. So I have the 10 year apple plaque, even though I, w- I think I shorted it by six weeks. Wow. Well,
0: six weeks is like a technicality. Like if it had been I, six months, that's crazy talk. But six right. weeks is like, that's
2: reasonable. Yeah, it was, it was almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty close. For
0: good behavior. You get the plaque.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um,
0: and when you started telling your friends and particularly your family, and I know you're married, so your wife, that you were going to quit your job, was there any kind of variation in their reactions?
2: Yeah. So that's an interesting question. So my wife has been incredibly supportive, which I know is something that a lot of people would wonder about immediately. Uh, She has been incredibly supportive. And, you know, and I and I and I don't think that's I think that's first of all, because she's awesome. Uh, (laughs) I know a lot of people would not be okay with it. I'm not sure I would be okay with it in the same position. I get stressed. (laughs) I get stressed out a lot more easily. Um, I, you know, I, I sort of dwell on things and sort of spiral. And so like having a huge uncertainty like that would throw me off where she is just much more okay with it than I am. Uh, so I, you know, I have to give her huge props for that. A lot of people wouldn't be okay with it. But I mean, another part of it is I had been working at a company who had been doing extraordinarily well during that period. And, you know, I was getting stock throughout the whole time and I have a significant amount of savings. I'm not, I'm not, I, you know. Uh, people at work uh joke that i'm retired and I <laughs> cut those people out of my lives immediately because it's infuriating <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah, I really don't like that but but I mean i'm definitely not if there's you know there's uh, I, I'm not unrealistic about it if if clearly uh I just don't have what it takes and this isn't working out after five years i'll have to go you know back to doing something else but yeah uh, uh, but I, th- I do but I do have a huge cushion. Um, so that makes it much, much easier to tolerate in a relationship.
0: Absolutely, and I think that it's really great that you mention that because typically we hear a lot of kind of like vague life advice that's like, oh, you should just follow your heart and do what feels good to you. Yeah. But if you have no means to pay for that lifestyle, it's a really myopic decision.
1: <laughs> right. It's,
2: ri- it's really tough, yeah.
1: Having... Uh, some sort of cutoff point Well, you mentioned that yeah. in your mind of just like, well, I'm going to give this a shot, but it needs to start bearing fruit in X amount of time It really makes sense, at least to me, the same way I think about things and get stressed out about things that really that makes sense.
2: Right. I mean, and I don't, I don't have a hard out. I have goals that are based around where I want to be. And I don't have, you know, hard what I'm going to do if I don't hit those goals. But uh, I, I will say I don't have anything like that currently. You know, I'm not going to start. If if somehow I manage to you know make zero dollars in the next year, which I won't, I haven't, I have already made more than zero dollars. Yay! Hey. Uh, yes, I'm glad um, that
0: ten dollar bill I sent you's really panning out.
2: It worked out. Normally we <laughs> don't. Normally podcasts don't have the guests pay them. I'm glad we were able to find a system <laughs> <laughs> that really works for me. Yeah. Um. So, but, but as far as the, my you know my, my wife, that's worked out really well. Um. You know, my family's obviously more concerned, but I have, and I'm, um, I'm not proud of this, but <laughs> a, as, a, as a younger man, uh, I, I was very obstinate about a lot of things, and especially with family. If they, uh, you know, told me not to do something, I would absolutely 100% do it, and I, I have built up a lot of credibility in that category, and now people are afraid to tell me not to do things, uh, so <laughs> I have sort of forged unconditional support among my relatives which works out great for me but I I I also did it in ways that I uh I I would not recommend and (laughs) I would I would not appreciate in another younger man
0: so we'll never know the truth of what your relatives think
2: yeah not not really well (laughs) uh, so I will say this so my grandfather who is 86 and in especially in that side of the family that's like 30 years older than any men in my family live uh he is um I talked to him over Skype actually, so I wasn't able to make it up there for an, for uh, Father's Day, and you know my parents were there and some uh, some of my uncles were there, and so they were sort of just passing around the Skype phone to like all the people who were there, and and I told my grandfather, hey, I'm leaving Apple, I'm gonna do comedy full time, and he laughed and he's like, sure you are, and then and then going back to uh, where where I've imposed universal support among my family. Uh, the next day, somebody explained to him, like, no, really, he's doing that. <laughs> and he felt awful. He has apologized <laughs> to me several times Aww. since.
0: Oh, that's but very sweet.
2: Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's great. I, I mean, uh, I, I will say that of my family, my grandfather is the one who most instilled the value of, um, I, I'm going to make my own decision, and, you know, you everyone else is just going to have to be okay with it. And D- if you're not, I didn't ask your opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that you had that. It's. I think that's a huge barrier for most people trying to do something like this. Go out on their own or do a trip like Maggie and I are doing right now. Yeah. Um, being able to just say, well, you know what? This is something I want for my life. This is an investment mm-hmm. uh, in myself. I may be spending some money up front, but hopefully this result will come from it.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge.
1: It's a big that's plunge huge. to take, though.
0: Yeah.
2: One, o- one of the things, I mean... It's uh I was I was writing down notes for myself <laughs> for this and it was like why am I doing this um wh- and it's like why why are we alive like it's just it's so strange <laughs> to <Yes>. me yeah <laughs> it's so strange to me that people are like you have a good job like why don't you just ride that into the grave like why aren't what do you, you
0: existentially that, satisfied with right. riding a commute bus for 3 hours a day
2: oh yeah well i yeah that is that is a problem um, but it's, yeah, it's just at some point you need to take, you know, a large, you have to take some sort of risk with your life where I feel like you're, you're just going to regret it.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: I mean, we absolutely agree, obviously, but it's nice to hear somebody else say it cause it makes me feel less crazy. Well,
1: it's nice to hear it too, because <laughs> we constantly doubt ourselves and I'm sure you yeah. constantly doubt yourself if you're anything like us because you, you made that decision, but then you think one week later oh my god what am I doing or, what are we doing we've had yeah. a few of those conversations in the last two weeks
0: I'm averaging two of those a week right now
2: yeah I mean one thing I do th- think about a lot uh, you know there's there's an article that gets passed around once in a while and I and I don't think it's that scientific, back, but it's like y- five things people in an elderly home all like said they wish they had done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, almost almost to a tee, all of them are like, I, you know, I wish I'd cared less about my job. I wish I'd paid more attention to my friends and family, and I wish I'd taken more risks. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I'd done the thing that I was dreaming about doing since I was a little boy. You know, yeah. Um, and that's I I tend to frame it that way a lot when I have those kind of doubts. Like when I'm 85 and I literally just can't do anything, or 95, let's say genetic (laughs) engineering is gonna really help me out and I'm gonna be very able and agile, Mm -hmm. you know, am am I gonna look back and say, like, I should have used my health and, and my body and whatever resources I had to do what I truly wanted to do when I wanted to do them.
0: So is being a comedian something you always knew you wanted to do?
2: I have, like spookily so um and which is there's no precedent the the only reason it took me as long as it did to pursue it is because my family is so buttoned down you know up until my dad it's just strictly blue collar you know poor family my grandfather worked at the parts counter at a heavy machinery shop for 45 years I think wow like it was his first major job and he not only wrote it into retirement, he came out of retirement several times because he was the only person who understood how the system worked. Oh. Um, and, then, and then my dad actually uh, worked in the tech industry, and I didn't know what to do when I got out of college or high school. So I was like that. <laughs> and, and he said, <laughs> no, it seems like a good thing. It seems like people are going to make money at this for a long time. And I said, okay. And I did it. I mean, uh, he wasn't wrong. I, no, it was, it was <laughs> as if you're giving a 17-year-old like – job advice that's it's there's much worse advice that could have been given
1: yeah that was, that was a good call
2: yeah um so so there there's no pattern for that in my my family there's no there's there's no there's no writers there's no artists there's no show business types like everybody just has a job and you know i see them camping once a year uh <laughs> and, and holidays you know <laughs> there, there's nothing there's no like there's a so there's no precedent for it is is I guess what I'm saying so people definitely I will say they're curious um about what I'm doing it's definitely an oddity uh but but yeah it's 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 a it's a different path and 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 you know I I would have welcomed somebody who could give me advice on how to sort of deal with this kind of career
0: do you have any advice for somebody who's contemplating walking away from a lucrative nine to five to
2: pursue something creative? No, no. <laughs> I mean, here's, I could like, I think uh, I'm just, uh, it's, it's so personal. Yeah. yeah. It's so personal. Um, I, I mean, the only thing that I can say is what I already said, like really ask yourself what, what, it, what are you going to want to have done with your life? I think that's a valuable question and I don't think it's superficial. I think that's going to contribute to your overall satisfaction as you age and, and, and I think it's a worthwhile way to look at things. Um, there is something that I've always strongly believed and that that is the advice you give takes into account the natural talents that you have. So I, I'm giving advice that's saying, you know, you need to take more risks. And mm-hmm. that's because I'm somebody who does not take any risks. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are people out there, you know, I do stand-up comedy. I hang out with 23-year-olds who have never made more than $11,000 a year in their life, which is crazy, because you can do that with minimum wage. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, living, living on friends' couches, and you know, that's something, that, and haven't had health insurance, uh, even though it's now cost you money to not have health insurance, uh, I don't think they know that yet. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, that person is going to need different advice than somebody like me. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I think what you're saying speaks so directly to me because I'm also a person who, up until this decision, had taken zero risks with my life. Yeah. So, like, your advice or what you say the questions you would ask are exactly the questions that we asked that led us to doing what we're doing right now, but also came from, you know, 10 years of working really hard and doing everything right. And, you know, (laughs) going to college and having health insurance and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I I, I should mention one of the reasons I am able to do this is because, um, though I do have my own savings and I would be doing this, uh, Regardless, um, my I am on my wife's health insurance, and so that's a huge cost that I don't have to consider. Yeah. <sighs> we're both really
0: year. jealous in this moment. We just signed
2: yeah. up for Cobra today. So. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like in San Francisco, can't you like hook onto a, po- a polyamorous triad and both of you use their health insurance? <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. God, we
0: didn't think about uh, that at all. We're
1: already out of the city, though. It's
2: gonna be hard. I know. Yeah, I mean, some somebody can like marry you over the internet. I feel like that's a thing. <laughs> hmm.
0: Time to start a Thrinder account. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, start one. (laughs) Uh, So, Adam, do you have any questions for Red?
1: Um, Yeah, Red, is there a time in your life that you uh, took an adventure that you are particularly proud of or was remarkable to you? Uh, Or
2: is this the primary adventure
1: that you're setting out on right now?
2: So... So I I'll, I'll give you an example that I think sets the stage for what kind of person I am. I, this definitely is the most extreme adventure I have taken. Um a, as I mentioned, uh my my family uh very blue collar does not travel hardly hardly at all. I mean, it if California and Oregon is 90% of the places anybody's ever gone. Mm-hmm. Uh I when I got out of college and Lauren grad my wife graduated uh A year earlier than I did so she had already been out of college she'd already started a job when I got out of college she was like we should go on an international trip and I was like cool never been out of the country Uh, I actually did not fly on a plane until I was 17 Uh, uh, and I was like that sounds great that sounds like the kind of person I would like to be And we looked up how much tickets cost, and it was when gas was at its... I- even now, the price sounds crazy, but I think w- we wanted to go to the Czech Republic, we had decided. Yeah. And the t- ticket at that point cost $1,200. What? It was crazy. And I, d- I don't remember if we actually paid that or if we figured something else out, um, but I remember in the moment... Like I wasn't even stressed about it because my brain was like, "Well, obviously we're not doing that." Like, no, <laughs> too that's bad. Not even an option. Yeah, yeah. Like that was that. That was like such an absurd. I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize leaving the country cost that much." Now it makes sense why nobody I know has ever left. Um, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you know, we're not going to do that." And Lauren was Lauren turned to me and was like, "I'm going. Ooh. I think it would be a good idea if you went as well." Wow. Oh, I like
0: her style. Well played. <laughs> I, like I like it. it yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it was just like, uh, yeah, wh- where she made it very clear, this is the life I am having, um, and and if you're going to be a part of it, this is this is probably a good idea.
1: I am impressed.
2: I know. And so, and so, a, a single version of me who'd gotten out of college probably wouldn't have left the country for several more years mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I don't even know because once. Once it's something you do, it's something you want to do again, and you also realize the possibilities that you had not before, and you understand, you know, what it means to travel and have experiences like that outside of where you're from, and 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 certainly I was more drawn to it after after that first trip.
0: So it was um, worth it.
2: Oh, it was a hundred percent worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a no-brainer. <laughs> it w- it was stupid that I was thinking of not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean those. Those plane, I had no concept. So, so now I'm thinking back, and I'm like, why were those tickets so expensive? I mean, they were economy <laughs> tickets. You know, it's not like we were flying premium economy or even or business or something crazy like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that it, it, very strange. Even even if we paid that much, it was still worth it. Right.
0: Do you think that if you had made this choice as a younger man to quit your job earlier, um. Uh, it would be as fruitful as it's likely going to be this time
2: around? That's a valid question, and I don't have a great answer for that. I think that especially what I, you know, in the field I am interested in, stand-up comedy, which it is very uh, engineer-like of me to call it a field, <laughs> <laughs> um, is is uh, there is a big advantage to youth in it, built in. Yeah, You know, there is... Um, the sort of structures built up. Uh, there's more opportunities for a young writer who's willing to, you know, make no money, or and and people are more looking for o- openers that are younger and willing to, you know, put up with more bullshit early on, which, which would which gives you an advantage certainly. I mean, I will say that. My my shift, as opposed to somebody your your normal normal, uh, your average like twenty two to twenty three year old who's starting doing stand up, uh, is probably looking to specifically you know write for a television show. It's a very common job that people get that lets them do comedy uh, for the rest of their life, um, and that's something that's going to be harder for me to break into. So it's possibly uh, it's possible that I would have had more opportunity if i'd done it earlier but the at the same time the runway would have been shorter and and yeah so it's 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 hard to figure that out i will i will never know that
1: do you feel like the discipline side you're going to be in a little bit better shape to actually stick to whatever plan it is or would you have not had any problem with that even when you were younger
2: I don't think I'm very good at planning now, so <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think that that's a part of the aspect of it for me. Um. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't think in particular that would have been an advantage. Honestly, what has changed the most for me is podcasting. Is something that I figured out. I enjoy doing a lot and part of my plan in the first year is to develop and uh, release two more podcasts on top of the one that I'm already doing.
0: Oh, are you going to um, do your sports podcast? I,
2: I, I am going to do a, a podcast based on sports and actually I had another uh, and I've, I've, I've been approached by Jason at Boing Boing to work on another idea that I, s- I suppose I shouldn't go into yet, but we're um, developing that pretty quickly, and that that one has gone suddenly from nowhere to exciting. And that that is something that's amazing about having it be my full time thing is that people are just when you're like I'm doing this full time, you know, people you're looking to collaborate with, all of a sudden, people who weren't looking to you were like, oh, you're available. Like, do you want to do this? You know, series of shows up the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah. before they're like, he has a day job, like I'm I'm not even gonna talk to him about it, even if I would have been willing to do it. Like your name just doesn't come up. It doesn't occur to people. Right.
1: You're that not, makes uh, sense. In their yeah. mind, you're not committed really to the, the actual full that's proposition. A hundred,
2: that's a hundred percent it. And so the same thing, like this the, this friend of mine who I talk to all the time, and and I just mentioned to him offhandedly, like, I'm thinking about starting some more podcasts, and I have a couple I'm working on. And he's like, "Oh, I've had this idea, and he has this huge platform, and he knows exactly what they like, and he wants me to be an, you know, an equal partner in it. And that's just that's a crazy opportunity, um, you know, that that I would not have had if I wasn't spending all of my time on this.
0: That's super cool. I mean, congratulations about that.
2: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, it, it's yeah. I I don't want to jinx it. It hasn't become anything yet, but it's certainly. I don't see a lot of roadblocks.
0: We've got our fingers crossed for you. That sounds fantastic." Thank you. Um, Well, Red, thank you so much for being our guest today. Do you want to take a second to plug all your places on the internet where people can find you?
2: Sure. You can find uh, my Game of Thrones podcast, which already exists. And in the off-season, we do uh, the Game of Thrones books, A Song of Ice and Fire books. uh, And that is Boars, Gore, and Swords. You can find me on Twitter. That's Red underscore Scott. And my website is RedScott.com.
0: And I will say, your off-season Boris Gore and Swords episodes have been great, even if you never care to read the Game of Thrones books, which is definitely (laughs) how I feel. Now I feel like I'm extra absolved of ever having to do that.
1: Red, should I read them? I'm really on the fence right now.
2: They are great at filling in the story. I think watching the TV show, then reading the books is the optimal way to do it. Ah, Because now you you have the hooks into all the characters. And then all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, (laughs) for every line that's spoken, there's like 50 pages that explains the backstory. And it it definitely feels enriching to go into the books that way. As opposed to when I tried to read the books before the show was on, it feels like he's filling you in <laughs> on all these characters that couldn't possibly matter. And then you find out three books later that they absolutely certainly matter.
0: I mean, Adam, you could read them or you could just listen to Red's podcast.
2: Mm, okay. We do, we do go through it chapter by chapter. We have a chapter. lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> you could, frankly, you could do both.
1: Well, I, I plan to do both if I can do but <laughs> I'm really, I'm tempted. I don't know. Maggie keeps trying to dissuade me.
0: I told yeah, I have my feelings. Maggie we can talk feelings. about that some other time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Red, thank you so much. You were an awesome guest. Thank yeah, you for, for me. walking us through using podcast equipment, and also for being one of the main people getting us to do a podcast. Yeah,
1: you really made this happen. We're talking on equipment that you 100 percent recommended, <laughs> and it works beautifully. Some of Wonderful. my favorite electronics now.
2: Excellent. It's it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, you can find Adam on Twitter at Adam A Wolf.
1: And you can find Maggie on Twitter also at E-M-T-E-E-H-A-L-L, M-T Hall.
0: And you can see our photos and Adam's drone photography on our Instagram, which is uh, Let's Not Panic.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Bye, guys.